0: Jeff, welcome to another episode, another week, a fantastic feeling. I have just been riding cloud nine this entire week after what happened on Saturday night. And I don't know how long this podcast is going to go. This episode is going to go because we could, we could do like a seven hour podcast talking about everything that's happened, transpired in the last seven days. Yeah. Yeah. It's been related to BYU. It's been a big week. It has been, I wasn't alive in 1984 and I was one in 1990 when Ty won the Heisman. But those are the only two weeks in my head that I can think of that would even be close to the same magnitude that this past week has been for BYU. And what's so crazy is the Cougars snap a 12-year losing streak to their most hated rival, And that is absolutely the most secondary story of the week. Like that's how big last week was. Yeah. And it's, I think it's something that it wasn't, it wasn't, it was very symbolic, right? Like it was almost, and we kind of talked about this in our post game fireside, right? Like it's, is this a launch point? And is this something that you can capitalize on and go off of it? And it didn't feel like it wasn't just ending the streak, it was celebrating the end of a legitimate 40 years in the wilderness of successful G5, whatever, non power football, being outside of the club, looking in, and then knowing we finally got what we have deserved for 35 years and that we have been close, right? Like it was, we were supposed to be in the big 12 over Baylor. And then, Ann Richard said, uh, uh-uh, not on my watch. Otherwise we're blocking the Texas schools. And then we, the PAC 12 was close or the PAC 10 was expanded. BYU was the number one target in the nineties. They ultimately chose not to expand. We, you know, Tom Homo and Brock hall in 2010, 2011, it sounded. And there were a lot of people in the building that thought that, we were going to the big 12 with TCU and that was going to be a package deal. They end up going for West Virginia. Right. And then 2016, we are told we're number 11. There's a little debate over Cincinnati or Houston for number 12, but you are definitely number 11. And then because of Texas and Oklahoma, they ultimately decided not to expand back in 2016. Like we have been so close for so long. And every time someone has looked into should we add BYU? The answer has always been yes, but then something just kept it from happening, and now we are there. On one hand, I'm like the biggest thing that I think to me that has come out that we haven't really discussed on this show or anywhere else is it is unequivocally known now that it was Texas and Oklahoma. Texas and Oklahoma did not want BYU. That's it. Everybody else was on board, but Texas and Oklahoma didn't want BYU. Because they're and- scared. i mean it could be the six and one record i don't know what it is maybe it's they just didn't want to share more of the pot who knows right it could have been but even then in in 2016 they wouldn't have had to share more of the pot because they had the they had the pro-rata clause and then they negotiated that and said well you can take that out but just give us more money now anyway right they're like pay us as if there were 12 of us and just take in we'll stay at 10 that's what they agreed to right so for whatever reason, they didn't want BYU. But now we know that we can safely hate those schools. And it isn't just because they left the big 12. Like I've seen some debate, right? Like I've seen people that are like, Hey, no, I understand that the rest of the big 12 hates, hates the longhorns horns down on Texas. I understand why, you know, K state would hate, would hate Texas and Oklahoma, but without Texas and Oklahoma, leaving the the sec BYU doesn't get in. So we should be thankful For Texas and Oklahoma. No, they're the reason that we have been in the wilderness for the last at least five years, potentially 10 years. I mean, for all we know, it was 2010, 2011, Texas and Oklahoma that said, hey, no, go get West Virginia, not BYU. We'll take TCU fine, but go get West Virginia for whatever reason. Who knows why? It doesn't really matter at this point. But for whatever reason, they did not want BYU. So Cougar fans, we can safely we could safely treat Texas and Oklahoma how we've always treated Michigan for the Bo Diddley Tech comments back in the 80s. Like we can just safely have this silent, subtle grudge towards those schools for now until the end of time. And we could feel good about it. And, you know, and just because like you can hate them and still acknowledge that something good came out of their decision, right? Yeah. Like like Satan is still a jerk, but he kind of played himself by getting Adam and Eve to eat the apple, right? Like he thought he w- was so high and mighty and won something, but really was part of the plan the whole time. Yeah, well, so there's you know, so sometimes sometimes jerks can do good things or not good things, fortuitous things. I you know, ha- like have you looked at the agenda all the I way? I did, through? and that is is that what where... p- that's what planted that thought <laughs> in the back of my mind. This is not the first time, folks, that we're going to talk about Satan. Or no, this is not the last time that we're going to talk about Satan in this show. It's going to happen. It is. <laughs> yeah. But before, before we do, okay, we've been told that during football season, we might need to, to trim our, our rambling about nothing down and while on one hand i love our rambling about nothing and i feel like that's what makes us us i i can also understand that yeah we probably talked for like 40 minutes last episode before we got into anything sports related so we're not going to go that crazy but we are still us and like i told you last week carrot uh for whatever reason street poopers and things like that have just kind of become part of the fabric of this show you weren't really happy to hear about it but that's just sort of organically what's happened and it's a hundred percent my fault and i will take all the responsibility but that's who we are this one is funny though and it has nothing to do with pooping it's more so the punny name is what makes this great well i mean it has a lot to do with pooping uh there's a big problem with cow poop across the world a huge problem uh some say that it is the number one contributing factor to global warming. Like there's just cow poo everywhere. Releasing gases. Releasing gases. It's a big deal. And even for farmers, as, as you guys know, I am the product of multiple dairy farmers. My mom came from a dairy farm. My dad came from a dairy farm. I was born in Logan. I've got dairy farm blood coursing through my veins. There's a lot of cow poop at those dairy farms. A ton. My my mom's side of the family, I think they have, what are they, I think they milk like 600 head now, 700 head of cattle every day. So they, they've got a pretty decent sized dairy farm in, in Lewiston, Utah, but Cache Valley. There's a lot of crap. Like they spend a lot of time with it. And these cows, as I spent time in the barn, these cows just poop everywhere. Like, I don't know how many people have paid attention to cow poop, but they just they lift their tail up and it goes. It's like in a parade, a horse. They're just walking down the road and they could just be walking mid-stride, poop. I was out watching the Anarchy Wild Horses a couple of weeks ago and as they're stampeding, they would poop while they were stamping. So it, it's wild, like they could just go anywhere. According to science, now I don't know who, but scientists, cows can be potty trained easier than toddlers can. In this small little test group, 16 cows were tested, and 11 of them learned how to use the mulu. Yes, the mulu. What a name. I don't have any need for a mulu, but I think we should all have one because that's a great name. But 11 out of 16 cows were potty trained. Now, normally when I find these random articles, it's like obscure news sites from like some local county news in the middle of nowhere. This was a big enough story that the AP picked it up. This is a big deal. Cows can now be potty trained. And in light of the Utah State game coming up, this is why I feel like we could talk about this one today, Garrett, because as we all know, Utah State fans and dairy farms, hand in hand, it is like like lamb and tuna fish. Like it is a big deal. Those two are together forever. That's a big daddy joke if you guys don't know that. You're looking at say, me like i was like of just was like yeah. I was no, like oh, you said lamb and I thought you was like you're going to say oh like lamb and mint jelly. I was no. like that's an obscure reference but those do <laughs> go together. No, 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 right. Lamb, no. <laughs> lamb and tuna fish. Big daddy, you're a little bit younger than me. Not much, but just I've, younger than I enough. haven't seen that movie in so long. Yeah. Just young enough, the Big Daddy wouldn't have been a part of like your early teenage years of, you know, you have a sleepover with your friends and you watch Big Daddy. Uh, but it's peanut butter and jelly, man. Aggie fans and cows, it's just part of who they are. Don't get mad, Aggie fans. I'm, I am i get it. I came from you. I was born like a mile away from whatever it's called now, Maverick Stadium. i I know exactly who you are. And your dairy farmers. My uncle is one of the biggest Utah State fans that I know. And I think he's now, I think he just got promoted or he's going to be promoted. It's like been announced, but not formalized that he's the CEO of the Farmers Association of America. Like, it's not just a stupid joke that Boney Fuller makes. Farmers and Aggie fans, that's who they are. And so if the Aggie fans don't find a way to make the first major NIL deal, at Utah State, somehow the Mulu, if I don't see Aggie players sponsoring the Mulu and shouting it out on their Instagram feeds about how, hey, why don't worry about, you know, stepping in cow pies anymore because the Mulu exists. If I don't see Cooper Lagasse say something like that on his Instagram, I'm going to be really disappointed in Utah State. This is the perfect opportunity for them to take advantage of NIL deals everywhere, like to, to, to blow it all out of the water, make a bunch of money for their players, help their fans learn about something that's happening apparently in New Zealand right now. It just feels important. I think the fact that it's the Mulu, like it's just such a fitting name. And I like oh. how you segued this into <clears throat> into NLI because there is another announcement. On top of the built Bar, uh, the... Crypto exchange FTX has signed in a group through Ohana. Ohana X, there's a lot of X's in there. Um, through (laughs) Ohana Ohana X, which is the main agency that most BYU athletes are using to represent them. Um, Carl Sokia is a great dude. You and I've talked to him because obviously he handled our deal with Lorenzo Fawatea and Isaac Rex. And uh, we are working on deals with Mason Wake to get him a shirt up as well and um they and so they signed a new one and it's all this crypto agents this crypto exchange is going to be giving 500 to every all to 110 players on the byu football team which is awesome which because it's cool right? i mean it's what so built bar is covering tuition you know now it's like that's about enough to cover books if you play your cards right and know how to which classes to take and buy used books like you can get by with 250 bucks a semester for books so now pretty much every player on the team has tuition and books covered some way or another i did laugh there was the video that byu put out a week or two ago when the built bar checks came in and they were handing them out and so the scholarship players you know they got their check and it was like hey i gotta go cop a new pair of shoes which is great but i did see a handful of (laughs) walk-ons they they got their checks and like oh yeah i gotta go get those jordans now I mean, that's fine. Like, clearly they had money to pay for tuition before the Bilt Bar stuff. So it's just a reallocation of money. But it was a little bit humorous to me to be like, oh, scholarship money, Jordan's here I come.
1: Yeah, well, even
0: if if you, I mean, there's guys, right? Like, I know, like they interviewed Talmadge Gunther, right? And brought it up um, that, you know, and interviewed him because he's one of the first people. It's like, he's married. So because he's married, he's automatically qualifying for a Pell Grant And what do you know? BYU's tuition is right around the amount of money that the government will give you in a Pell Grant every year. Like that's kind of what they peg it to is like between your taxes and your tithing, if you're a married student, you're 100% subsidized, right? At BYU. And so the, and so, yeah, a lot of them, it's like, you know, even this is still all gravy on top and it's awesome. Um, I mean, this is another tangent, but why is there not some sort of, like in all of this talk about student loan forgiveness, why has there not been some proposal that is exactly what you just said? Like, why are state owned tuition or state owned universities, why is tuition not tied somehow to the full cost of a Pell Grant? Because they still want to make money, and all of higher education is a scam. And that's it's a fraud. why there needs to be more looking at income share agreements and we can that's a whole off-season topic for us mm-hmm. of getting into why lambda school and similar which was started by byu grad and similar is the future but google income share agreements basically heart you know these schools they got multi you know they got a 500 million dollar byus endowment is like 1.8 billion dollars or whatever it's like surely they can underwrite some student loans themselves um but the yeah, it's it it's really cool, and I don't think this is going to be the last NIL deal, right? Like I don't know, and something I've thought about, and we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the Built Bar was deal was announced that they're you know not being in a conference allowed possibly allowed that to happen. So I don't know. I wonder what's going to happen to that moving to the Big Twelve and what the Big Twelve has in place for you know in terms of conference, you know those types of NIL deals if that is something yeah it's gonna have to end or will be changed or the conference gonna say hey you know I, what like there's just bobbles, you know is the league gonna say hey everyone go out and try to find doing this like you should be trying to build like saying hey that's a good thing that they did that and don't you know don't be a quitter and get mad that someone else pulled off what you couldn't go out and try to find a business to do this for you like that would be the right decision or are they gonna uh, say yeah, like it would. oh you know right because like even here you're hearing about, like, the Pac 12, right? Is the reports are that the ADs in the Pac 12 are going to oppose the expanded playoff, which means, which even in the expanded playoff, they you'd still your conference champions should, even if they're not the highest ranked, you know, champion, they should still be in the top 12, right? If they're not one of the top six champions, which means, like, by you exp- opposing that Pac 12, what you're really saying is, we don't think we're always going to be one of the top six conference <laughs> champions. And so yeah. we won't do this unless we have a guaranteed bid. But it's like, did the AAC just got kneecapped. And as soon as Boise leaves the Mountain West, they're nothing either. Like there's really only six conferences left. So, yeah. like, what, you know, so I would hope that the Big 12 just says, no, BYU did a good thing. You go find boosters and do that yourself. Like, why? Like, I, I think as long as. And I love what – this is an emphasis of Kalani. I love what BYU has done. As long as they are getting money for the whole team, if they were just, like, trying to capitalize and, and you know, the quarterback is the only one making money, Jaron Hall could go get his own deal. But these BYU-sponsored things, it's paying everybody on that roster. I don't think that anybody's going to say no. I, I really don't. Now, I could see the NCAA putting some parameters in the next two years, but if I'm BYU – these guys just, just want to get paid. Flirt in that gray paid. area as long as you can. Absolutely, and everybody wants to get paid. Um, that that's it. Um, if you have got paid, you're in that in the business in the market for a new house. What are rates at right now? So basically, once you factor in the cost of you know, and maybe not even buying a new house, you're just looking like now is a good time to do a cash out refi. like If you have a bunch of equity pent up and you can refi into a 30-year mortgage, go get that money working for you somewhere else. Like Your primary home is not an investment because unless you downsize or you move to somewhere that has a cheaper cost of living, you're never going to realize any equity gains. So get that money out of your house. You can go get it working somewhere else. Basically, if your interest rate, if you're looking for a home, come talk to me. I work with Jeff Johnston over at Evolve Mortgage. He's a huge BYU fan, supporter of the show. Um, I work with him uh, doing mortgages. And so come talk to me and Jeff and we'll see what we can do. Or if you are looking, considering refining right now, basically with closing costs and everything, if your rate is above about three and a half percent, probably could make, will most likely make sense in your case to take cash out, lock in a lower rate, get that money out for 30 years and stick it. you like, if you have $250,000 of equity in your house, it's going to be better, especially with what inflation has been doing for the last year. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop to throw that in the stock market and get it or buy a rental property. Or if you have a business you want to start, you know, you can access that equity now. And, or even just say, if you don't want to do that, but you just want to save some money, you can just cut down on interest rates. So if you're basically, if you're over about three and a half percent right now, it makes sense to at least get a quote. So reach out to me or Jeff with a G and not to be confused well, we say with that, you. We say that kindly. Utah fans say Jeff with a G and there's a negative connotation to it, but Jeff with a G, that's a professional Jeff. Yes. I, I, I'm here talking about the Mulu. Jeff with a G is talking about real business. Jeff with a J works at a bank in Ogden. Yeah. Jeff with a G is a branch manager in Phoenix, right? Like it's, you know, there's, a, there's just a different level of yeah. sophistication Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And so come talk, come talk to me and we'll just see what we can do. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to at least kick the tires or if you are younger and looking to buy your first house, we can, um, you know, we can help you with that too. You know, uh, what you just said about inflation, did you see that the Fed, they're trying to not move rates now. So it's always been, they don't want to move rates until 2022. The Fed is now trying to make us all believe that inflation is not real and it's going to be 2023 that they'll finally move rates. So get comfortable with inflation, folks. It's it's coming. It's, Even more so. Well, and it's been like 5% you know for the last couple of months and they're still trying to say it's nothing. Right, yeah, like they're still trying. I, I, what is what did I read today that rent nationally is up like 14 14%. 14%, but they're trying yeah. to say, you know, we saved 16 cents on our 4th of July cookout. <laughs> that was that had to be the most what's, like, obtuse thing that has come out of the White House? Anyway, we're, we're, we're going where we shouldn't go. Um, let's talk about the Utes for a minute. I, I want to put a final bow on Utah because here's the thing. BYU beat Utah, and it's time to move on. That's one thing we've never been able to do as a collective fan base is move on from Utah. But right now, we have momentum on our side. BYU is going to a Power 5 conference. They will be in that Power 5 conference the next time they play Utah. The next time the Holy War happens, the Cougars will have a big 12 patch on their jerseys. Like, let that sink in, folks. Like, that's what's going to happen. So the independent era of the rivalry is dead. It's gone. It's over. BYU won the last battle. They lost a lot of battles before that, but they won this last battle And now the only time we have to think about Utah is when we meet up on the basketball court and nobody really cares. Like with all due respect to our basketball fans, that's not the holy war. That's just BYU versus Utah. That's like the, what's another word for holy? That's like less than that. That's the, like, that's that's like something battle. Like it's not a war, it's it's a battle. Yeah, so- the, the Holy War, as we've known it for the last 10 years, is done. So it's time to move on a little bit. BYU won. Utah, they suck. And I, I think they might suck. I was really high on Utah this year. I They brought everybody back. I, I thought that they had a lot of talent. If they would have lost a lot of their seniors, guys like Nick Ford, Devin Lloyd, if they would have not have taken advantage of the COVID year and come back, these are guys that are drafted. Last year, for sure, and I thought all of those guys coming back. Charlie Brewer doesn't have to be good; he just has to be serviceable. And if they can do that, that this is a team that can make some damage. That's that was my thought process. After watching them play against Weber, I gave them the benefit of the doubt because Wit always sucks against FCS teams. He just they never look good; they always win, but they never look great. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, gave them the benefit of the doubt. But after seeing them play against BYU, it's one of two things. Either one, they were so disinterested in that game, which is just so anti-Kyle Whittingham. Like They they love that game way more than anybody on the hill wants to admit. So it can't be that option. So it has to be number two. They must just kind of suck. And we're going to see against San Diego State, which warms the cockles of my heart, that it is San Diego State who is somehow going to be the uh, barometer for whether Utah is a good team or not. Uh, That makes me just super happy. Uh, We'll find out how good Utah is. And so I want to put a bow on Utah on this round of the rivalry war, but there is a couple of things we have to talk about first. One, uh, this was on Cougar Board this morning, this morning, this afternoon, I don't know, sometime. And uh, the Utah Fans Podcast, which I don't know what it is. I've never heard of this never heard of it some guy in a backwards hat and not like a not like a, a modern day backwards hat like I, i'm watching king of queens right now with my wife and so we're talking the like, most underrated sitcom of all time it is well and watching it back now i know why it's not syndicated as much as other shows there's a lot of jokes that wouldn't fly in today's political climate and that's why of- the most underrated <laughs> i will have to send you the funny i'll put i'll post it on the discord the funniest go. sitcom clip that i laugh all time is when there's a scene where arthur and deacon go out to dinner together and it is hilarious and i'll have to post that but go on sorry <laughs> uh and so this podcast the guys who were on it the, there's two guys and a girl and i'm sure they're fine people but one of them is wearing a backwards hat, a la Doug Heffernan. So we're talking like 2002, like Tiger Woods Nike hat backwards. Like, uh, it's, not not it. no, it's, it's, not, it's not looking good. It's it's not it's not it. like a it's not a you know flat brim trucker hat. That's in no style. no. It's 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 something else. They they also apparently have this gimmick in their show. It's a YouTube show. They simulcast it on YouTube, where, and I I, I watched it two or three times trying to. Figure out how this like plays into the show, but they have a statue of I believe what is a penis, and yeah, whenever it looked, yes, it was like a golden, yeah, phallic something and, or other. And when they erected that, that was their joke. Is it was like if you were being a dick, they erected a penis statue for you, and it was supposed to be all you know punny. Yeah. But I. You know, and I'm, I'm fine with the dirty joke. Like, I don't have any issues. But that wasn't funny. It wasn't a funny, dirty joke. But anyway, they, they went on to say that Kalani Satake looked like a moron on the sidelines. A moron. That was the word they used on multiple occasions, like four or five times, because he was jumping around and celebrating with his team once the game was locked up. And they said, you yeah, know, act like you've been there before. OK, well, first of all, Kalani hadn't been there before. He's never beaten his mentor. He did. So that's one thing. Two... I don't give one shit what anybody from Utah has to say about Kalani Sataki. Not one. This is a man who is doing it his way. And that is what makes a coach a good coach. If if Kalani wanted to just act like some hard ass, like you know, if he wanted to just be Nick Saban, it nobody would buy it. His team wouldn't listen. His team wouldn't subscribe. Like anytime he did it, it would be so clearly fake that they couldn't do it. Right. And, and so he has to be Kalani and Kalani isn't the guy who's just going to be stoic on the sideline. That's not who he is. And that's not what we want. Like we had, we had Bronco for 11 years, 12 years. I don't remember how many exact number of years it was. And like fans are excited, right? Like people, I don't know a lot of people that said that way they knew they were going to win when there was that video of Kalani running up into the student section going yeah. into the stadium and like seeing how excited he was like, that is what BYU fans want. And that is what we love. And even on, uh, I don't know if you watched the Kalani Satake show last night, he was like, i he says you know he was a fan first he grew up going to byu games he was happy like byu was his dream school he got to play at byu now he gets to be the head coach at byu he is living his dream and he was like i hope you're okay with me being a fan first and i think that's awesome and we need more of that because sometimes like sometimes coaches are too stuffy right like you have guys like sometimes like the raw raw guys in college football like the pj flex right like pj fleck was all oh row the boat in western Michigan. First school that called him up, he dipped on Western he didn't care about Western Michigan. He right, that was his right. shtick and he's in Minnesota and now who knows maybe USC will call him up. I don't like right like it's is if a bigger name comes and calls he'll go. You know, he'll go and he's still trying to do the same row the boat shtick at that Minnesota right but like it, it kind of loses its flair a little bit when you right. know it's it like absolutely oh, this does. isn't you know something that was really but it's like Kalani is one hundred percent all in and that I just think it's palpable and awesome as a fan and like sorry if your coach can't have fun like who cares like I don't coach can't be who they are right like Bill Belichick I, I have no doubt in my mind that when Bill Belichick is at home eating dinner with his family he's the same guy that he is on the sideline he is being who he is which is great wonderful Pete Carroll is the only guy who has made USC worth anything over the course of the last 30 years. And he's a fun loving guy. He jumps around. He's always chewing gum. He's never yelling at his players. Like he acts a lot closer to Kalani Satake. But what he really acts like is Pete Carroll. Like he is himself. It works for Bronco, right? Like Bronco is who Bronco is. And while this, you know, while it kind of grew, I don't know, boring, I guess, or whatever in Provo, he is who he is. And as long as you're being true to yourself, that's what a coach should do. That's how you connect with your team. Right. Kyle Whittingham is who he is. Like, yes, he's not jumping around on the sidelines and having fun. He also doesn't have fun when he goes home and, you know, goes to movies with his family. I think he breaks down the movie. I think he's more, you know, concern, he's concerned like about... John Gruden. Yeah, like like I think he's he's more concerned about like did they take the most efficient path to get to the movie theater? Like he just doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who's going to have fun anywhere. But that's okay. I'm that kind of guy. Like I don't want to go out and be with the people. I want to be a homebody. I don't want to get to know my neighbors. Like people can be happy being who they are. And And Kalani is a happy guy. And I think part of this too. Is that most Utah fans do not remember, and were not fans of Utah at a time when Kyle Whittingham, or they were too young, like maybe they were in like fifth grade, fourth grade when in 2004, and they, you know, they don't remember Urban being on the sideline. So it's all they've ever known is Kyle Whittingham is the head coach, and so to them, that's what a successful head coach does. And we have witnessed, as you and I have gone, because we have access to every single team's 20, board on 24-7, uh, we've kind of read through some of the comments and, you know, these dweebs on this podcast that they are not the only ones who are kind of having this identity crisis and in denial of all things. But it is apparent, I think, that, you know, we've talked about how, like, before how most BYU fans, like they're BYU fans, not college football fans. And it's just different. Like if you go, like when you went to your game, you went to the game at Ohio state. And when you're in the shoe, like they're asking about sec scores and they're talking about other random games. And they're like, they're curious about the sport at large and as well as their own team. I think most Utah fans religiously follow the pac 12, but they are completely oblivious to like, the what like they know the sec is good because it's the sec but i think they are kind of oblivious to the national media like the national perception of the pac-12 and how the rest of the country views the west coast fo- like west coast football i'm gonna add one little caveat to that i think you're you're 98 percent right That's an A-plus, so I'm okay with that. You can correct (laughs) me all you want. If I get the 98, I'm happy. (laughs) I don't think that they religiously follow the Pac-12. I think that they religiously defend the Pac-12, but I don't think that Pac-12 schools really know that. Pac-12 school fan bases, whatever, don't really know that much about other Pac-12 schools. Like... As we are learning about Arizona State this week and following their boards, it's pretty clear to me that they don't know anything about Utah. They know what Utah is traditionally and historically, but they don't know anything about Utah this year. And I I think you could make the same argument for Utah about the rest of the Pac-12. They know Oregon is good because they love the Ducks, because that's really, if you're not a Duck fan can you be a PAC 12 fan? Like that's the only thing Everything is have riding on, on them state. this year. Yeah. But I don't think that they know much about even USC. And I know they don't know very much about say Washington state. Like, they, they don't. Um, but yeah, you're right about this identity crisis, man. Like it's, it's bad. I mean, think about it. A lot of these fans that really jumped on shit or jumped on the ship in 2008, they've never lived in a world where you're not talking about Utah. You're talking about BYU. It's really interesting. And here's my question that I have for you is we put a bow on Utah. Um, let's say they lose to San Diego State this week. I don't think they will, but who knows? I hope they don't because that kind of – I don't know. Maybe I hope they do. I don't know what I hope for. I don't think it doesn't – we are already in the rankings and the perception yeah. built off of – we have the benefit of last year where it was like we keep You're winning right. – and then it's like, oh, last year wasn't the flute. Kalani Sataki has something good. And honestly, now there is the, oh, there are, even though we are not in the big 12, there are still so the, yeah, you're right. It's, there's a little bit of a, you know, a nudge of like, oh, like the perception is different than yeah, it was I think you're, going, you know, 2014, 2015, I'm 2016. Right. right? Yep. And so I don't, um, I think you're right. If Utah I keeps losing, right. it will not matter. As long as yeah, we take care of business, right. no one's gonna look and be like, oh well that you voting against Utah didn't really mean anything. Like no, no one's gonna, gonna say that. that. So let's go. One in eleven utes. I'm here for it. <laughs> so let's say they lose to San Diego State this week. Rice Eccles Stadium holds forty-five thousand eight hundred and seven people, according to the Google machine. How many people are at their next game against Washington State? If Utah is one and two going into that game, keep in mind before you answer up until now, up until this year, Utah has not lost an out a non-conference game in like six years. And they always play their three non-conference games first three weeks of the season. It's been a long time since they have not been three and zero going into their first conference game. So if they go in and it is one and two, how many of their 45,807 seats actually have butts in them in two weeks? Uh, I don't know. Cause even did they, I don't, did they limit attendance last year? Because even, or the year before was a 2019, there was a couple of games. I remember like Jody Genesee, like posting pictures. And when he was there covering, I mean, it was like, there's only 10,000 people here. It looked like the, <laughs> yeah, Salt Lake, I mean, it looked like the Salt Lake Stallions were playing. I I don't, I would be willing to bet that there's more than 10,000 empty seats. I would say 35,000 would be my guess. Would be for lose, attendance. Yeah, Well, because uh, annou- is, is that 45,000? Is, is that including the new edition or is that? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I think what they added another 5,000. Oh, you're right. OK, so it will be increased from I got to read all the words. It will be increased from 45,807 to 51,444. I still stick with 35,000. And why do I think that? Because that is consistent with the rest of the Pac-12. Yep. Did you see the picture of the USC game? Yeah, that was bad. There were maybe five thousand people in the Coliseum. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, I legitimately saw UCLA their first week, and I thought that they must still have COVID restrictions. Yeah, because like, there was nobody there. There. So I know you're not a big rugby guy, but like you know, I follow Major League Rugby, and there's a team in LA, and they also play at the Coliseum. This was their very first season ever. They were getting more fans that two games than USC was, which should never, and, ever, ever happen. Ever. Well, this is a this is something that we it's not on our agenda. I had a discussion earlier this week. There's a lot of assumptions. Clay Helton's gone at USC that USC is still a top five job. I don't think I don't so. Know, I don't think so. And I think the uphill battle combined with the booster pressure and the expectation to be a top ten team every year. It's like the Texas job. I don't think Texas is right. It, Texas has not been back. They've struggled for a decade. It's going to be a multi-year rebuilding process with boosters that will not give you multiple years. But the one thing that Texas has and will always have is crazy fan support. USC doesn't get that. No, LA fans are full. And, and now, USC, USC with Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, you know, during the, the heyday, they were the football show in LA. But now there's two NFL teams in LA. Like, there's more than one way to get your football and fixed that's in Los Sofa Angeles. And that SoFi Stadium now. is really, really nice. Yeah. And uh, I would, like, the Coliseum could kind of use a facelift. I kind of wonder if the USC job, and, and, and they don't pay quite like what people think they do. Like, they talk a big game, but there's a reason that Clay Helton has been on the hot seat for, like, three years. They didn't want to pay his buyout. Oh, well, that's because they had multiple other lawsuits going on. All there. kinds of things happening. But if that were in Texas, you can bet that there would have been some it's booster true. who ponied up the money to get rid of them. Texas would prioritize buying out Tom Herman's contract over paying out settlements of, yeah. like, the team doctor sexually assaulting every female athlete, which is what uh, USC yeah. was dealing with, right? Right. Like- <laughs> right. And, and so, like... All of that is to say, I wonder if USC is even a top five job. I kind of wonder if it's a top 10 job. It's a top 10 job in terms of talent, no doubt, but I don't know that it's top 10 job in terms of, can you succeed there as a coach anymore? And if that's the case, man, Pac-12, I don't want to be a Pac-12 going forward. I just don't. I, I talked we talked about this. I kind of, was semi facetious about it but after seeing that picture of the usc game and how little lightly attended it was i honestly think there's a timeline where arizona and arizona state come to the big 12 and say uh hey y'all want any more mountain time zone inventory i agree i completely agree so let's put a bow on utah and let's do it as a collective fan base not just this show it's time to move on from utah let's continue forward with our crusade uh towards a pac-12 south championship this week with Arizona State, uh, Jaden Daniels. What is your opinion on Jaden Daniels? I have a pretty high opinion of Jaden Daniels. There are a lot of people who have a low opinion of Jaden Daniels. What is Garrett's opinion of Jaden Daniels? Jaden Daniels is hit or miss. Jaden Daniels was the perception of Jaden Daniels is built on his freshman season when he threw, started game one as a true freshman. He was a high recruit. Started game one as a true freshman. Threw for twenty nine hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns against two interceptions, and ran for three hundred and fifty more yards and a couple scores. Right, you saw that as a true freshman and thought, "Hot damn, this kid is going to be incredible." He was just okay. Didn't really improve in their short shortened four game season and, last and year. They had a they had and a weird year last year. They had like, a even weird more year, more weird than most. Right, and they also only had like they did not look great in their two games this year and they've played suu and unlv i get the week one you know you haven't played in a while week one's always kind of weird there's usually those you know there's always weird close games right in week one especially against fcs schools where you kind of they hang around where they shouldn't but then when they played unlv who is basically an fcs program at this point and still struggled then it's it doesn't seem like Jaden Daniels has taken the step. And so it is, to me, Jaden Daniels is full of unrealized potential, and I don't know when that is going to be realized. And I think part of it is right. they are without a wide receivers coach and a tight end coach because of their ongoing investigation by the NCAA. So what, their quarterback coach by himself? Because Herm Edwards is a defensive guy. So what, they have mm-hmm. their quarterback coach and their running backs coach. And the running backs coach was actually, you know, he was Gunnar Romney's and Jacob Conover's coach at Chandler high school and is now coaching at ASU. Um, but Does Zach Hill coach the quarterbacks there. Um, or do I, they, Cause he's their offensive coordinator. I think, let me see coaching. I, I should um, know that, but, but the, and so you're right. Like you have, what you have to do defense coordinator. Yep. He coaches. Um, He coaches the Zach Hill is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So he Zach is Hill, for those of you who aren't just familiar with Zach Hill, he's from Boise state. Uh, I think he went to Arizona state last year was maybe his first yes. year, maybe 2019. Um, but so he, he was Boise, you know, when BYU was playing Boise, like he's familiar with BYU. Uh, from like 2016 to 2019 he was at Boise so he's very familiar with BYU very good coach right he is a good coach but it is not game plans are not made by a single coach it is a collector sure. and so yeah. obviously they have there it looks like you know Justin Wood is the interim tight ends coach and Donnie Henderson is the interim uh oh, that's the interim defensive backs coach he's the interim wide receivers coach um oh they don't even have an interim wide receivers coach they have just a graduate assistant. Who is coaching it's and tough. so and so it's tough and it's not like obviously they can run the drills and whatever um and oh he you know and you can do those things but it's you know it's the help with game planning and i know there's probably some uh what is that i can't think of the word of you know where tampering right of sorts where it's yes they're on paid leave but I'm sure they're still watching tape and trying to say hey yeah, this is what we think sure. we should do whatever but it's just different when you're not in the room and whatever well, they're limited and- by and so it's it I think part of it is it's basically it's all on Zach Hill that whole offense everything is dependent on Zach Hill right now and that's tough to do right because we know like Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake were closely together to talk about what they need to do in the passing game that's Zach Hill's worrying about the quarterback. He like you know, and he doesn't. He has and, to worry about not only of what the scheme is. Where normally, you know, you'd have the receivers coach is the one also watching film and being like, "Here's the weaknesses in the secondary that we should attack, and this is how we should go about it." Ver- and then start kind of like managing altogether, right? Like it is a lot. And so I think that's partly why their offense has been pedestrian compared to what people expected. And so I think the hype of Jaden Daniels and then defensively, they had 14 turnovers in four games. And so people have been like, oh my gosh, Arizona State's defense is going to be so good. Seven of those turnovers came in a 70-7 to win over U of A in the oh, territorial cup. And so it's oh. like, so you had seven turnovers in three games. That's like you know, that's pretty good. It's good, but it's not, but also it's like, okay, you have, you know, there's lots of games where it's like, Oh, quarterback threw three picks and there was a fumble and you're like, okay. And then we had one turnover in one game and two turnovers in another game. Like, you know, that's, that's not, it goes from being otherworldly to, Oh, they kind of, there was a lot of mistake made. There was a lot of mistakes made in a very shortened, weird football season, right? Like that's not anything predictive of or indicative of what. Arizona State's defense is going to be in 2021. I think that's all fair. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Here is why I think I'm higher on Jaden Daniels than the average BYU fan. Um, I don't put any weight into his 2020 stats, good or bad. It means nothing to me because he, they're they they had one of the weirder 2020s in a weird 2020, right? Like they had a game, and I can't remember their schedule, but they got canceled because of COVID, I think like two or three weeks in a row. Then they had another game. Like they had a weird, they almost had two two game seasons last year. Like they had right. a funny setup. And, and so I put zero weight into last year. And then they have a crazy off season this year with coaches and scandals and all that stuff. Now, all of this is to say that there are plenty of reasons that Arizona State as a team might be bad. There's plenty of distractions, plenty of mess. But Jaden Daniels, as far as Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, all that you can really rely on when evaluating him is his freshman season.
1: Because that's That's all that's
0: really there. And when I watch his freshman season, I watch a guy, and he could run for 125 yards in a game, and he also threw for 400 yards in a game against Oregon. And when I, when I see that, I have glimpses of Taysom Hill. He's a different player than Taysom Hill. He's not as big. He's not as physical. I don't think he's even as fast. But when Taysom Hill, not 2013 Taysom Hill, when it looked like he was trying to, like all of his fingers were thumbs when he would throw the ball. But 2014, 2015 for the one game, 2016 when he didn't run as much, that later version of Taysom Hill that could throw the ball. You had to kind of pick your poison, right? Are you going to let Taysom beat you with his legs, or are you going to make him put it in the air and beat you that way? Well, either way, he proved that he could do over time. He did. And and when I see Jaden Daniels, I see a similar mindset. And the thing that scares me the most about Jaden Daniels is he has that mindset, and he is one of the most unselfish big time players that I've ever seen. There are games where he's totally content and he threw the ball like 13 times. Like he's not a guy who's going to go force action. He, he doesn't have to have the big play. If you're going to give him, he also takes a lot of sacks. He got sacked 32 times his freshman he year. He does. takes a lot of sacks, but if you're going to give him four yards of play and he's just going to have the check down wide open all game long, he is more than content to throw it to the check down all game long. If you're going to give Arizona State running lanes and the running backs are going to get four or five yards of carry, he'll hand it off every play, and Arizona, t- Arizona State will get four or five yards of carry, and he will be perfectly content. He right. is not a guy that everything has to, to, to revolve around him. And so that gives Zach Hill and this offense weapons. So what do you do if you're Elisa Tuayaki, Right. On, on one hand, confusing Jaden Daniels makes sense. He's super accurate, but if you drop coverage in, you take away the ability to, to throw the ball, okay, I think you can contain the running game with you know three or four down linemen. It's the risk, right? It's a gamble, but you could do that. Or do you bring pressure because he takes a lot of sacks and, and open it up for very athletic Arizona State wide receivers to get, get big plays because he can do that too. Or do you just play kind of vanilla, kind of how you did against Arizona State when Gunner Cruz threw for 300-whatever yards in his, like, first real game because you were giving him Deacon dunk passes, little underneath routes, and a decent running game? And eventually, and Jay- you know the field is going to compress and you can't right. do it forever. And, and Jaden Daniels, he can and will and has proven that he's willing to do any of those. Like, there, that- there are games that, like... Uh, Taysom Hill maybe is the, not a great example, but even you know games like Zach Wilson, especially 2019, against like Washington, they tried to take away the running game and they made Zach throw it. And when he had to throw it, there were some struggles in 2019. He he threw some interceptions. He he made some bad reads. There were some problems, right? Like most quarterbacks can't change to just drastically different mindsets, but I think right. Jaden Daniels can. And And I I think that Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback on the schedule that BYU will face this year. And BYU has already beaten Keaton Slovis. Who knows what's going to happen when, you know, in the Coliseum USC could be a message for all we know. It could be Jackson Dart playing that game, right. Could be starting that game. I hope so. Um, I hope so too. But the, um, I, you know, and so I, you think about it and you think of, you know, everything, that could happen out of that and it really is a pick your poison and that's why he is tough to defend um, but at the same time you know they didn't play great against suu and the they won 37 to 10 against unlv but that game was 14 to 10 and then they scored with 45 seconds left in the third quarter not before the half the third quarter. So yeah, basically, so they scored basically three touchdowns and kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter to go from and how to miss PAT in there to go from 14 it, points to 38 points. And that, that UNLV QB, they made him look great. He looked really good. And I don't think he's very good, but just from like a highlight and moving the chains in the first half statistically wasn't phenomenal, but the dude just kept moving the chains and making plays in the first half they right. couldn't and convert it into points it was so just arizona, he was running he was running when you're saying yeah. like he is doing this with his feet and so this is something where jaron hall could potentially do really well um let me actually look at the box score from there they the way that arizona state is defensively is really similar to what elisa tuyaki likes to run not like not what we saw from tuyaki's defense against utah but that traditional tuyaki defense that heavy on coverage try to beat your your uh, you know try to get pressure with one on one assignments and winning those battles. That's what Arizona State likes to do. They don't blitz a ton. They'll bring, you know, Merlin Robinson Robertson on a blitz occasionally. They'll bring Darian Butler on a blitz, but they don't like to send a ton of pressure. And uh, yeah, the running lanes were there for that UNLV quarterback. And I, I have no idea what his stats line stat line was, but watching that game, every time I looked finished up, six of 14 for 60 yards, but then he ran for like 85 yards. Yeah. Every time I looked up, it was like third and six and he was running for a first down. Like, it just felt like it was happening all game long and he wasn't good. Like that's the difference is there were some traits that Jaron Hall has, in that UNLV quarterback, but he just wasn't good. And he was moving the chains pretty consistently in the first half, especially. And so I, I, I'm big on Jaden Daniels. I think he's a problem. I think he's going to be a problem for BYU, but I, I think this is a game that BYU could and should win. Yeah. I think it could be, I think ultimately this game will be very similar to the way the first two games played out and score wise. I don't, I don't expect BYU to come out and just be riding this high and, you know, have a 58 to zero drubbing of them. And I also don't expect them to come out totally flat. Like I think the culture is there that the, there won't be, you know, the letdown, right. Like I of like, Oh, we, you know, we, riding this high and now we're so distracted by everything. I think the focus is still there. There won't be the letdown. And I'm not really worried, right, about, you know, that I think it will be another 24 to 17 type game, and I could see it going either way. Like, there's, well, it's like a, what's the lineup right now? Is like two and a half, three, uh, three and a half now. So it's moving towards that, but it's, you know, I think it will be a one-score game one way or the other. Uh, I, I like BYU in this game um and i agree i think it's gonna be close another thing too is i imagine the stadium there's a few tickets left so if you're there if you're in utah go to the game um this will be the toughest thing that this team has played in since 2019 right like they had very limited fans only played four games last year didn't get a lot of experience they played two home games against bad teams and didn't have like you know, it didn't seem like there were a ton. It's not like they were selling out, you know, Sun Devil Stadium and for their two home games that they started the season out with. And so the altitude could be a factor. The, you know, the crowd and the environment could be a factor. It, yeah. Aaron Hall's the cr- swagger could be a factor. Huh. The crowd is going to, I'm looking up this Doug Brumfield. He's the quarterback at UNLV. I'm looking up his stats now to verify what I thought I was watching. Uh, he ran for four first downs, and they were all in the first half against Arizona so that's what you That's just what you happened to see. Yeah, and so like every time he was running the ball, I think he only had – how many carries did he have? He had uh, – he didn't have a ton of carries. Seven, eight? I don't know. I, I can't tell. They, the way that PFF does their carries is funny. But he ran for four first downs. So every time I looked up – he was running for four first or running for first downs, and I think he ran for a touchdown in there as well. So four first downs and a touchdown in his however many carries he had that game, which is encouraging if you're a BYU fan looking at a guy like Jaron Hall as your quarterback. I, I do think that Arizona State is going to make Jaron Hall throw. If there's one thing he has not proven this year, it's that he can consistently connect on deep balls. The deep balls that he's had with the exception of the touchdown pass to Pau in the first game. He also, I think Puka Nakua, if there, there was that mystery jersey grab that Utah got away with, well, and I think bad. Puka would have housed that too. That's true. And then there was the one that hit Samson in the face mask that, it was a PI, sure, but should have been caught anyways. Yep. And right so I th- I think, and you know, and it was Samson and Puka were still coming back, and obviously Gunnar Romney was playing through an injury. It's like they're going to be even more healthy and should be per- playing at a higher level physically um, than they were the last two weeks. They're going to have to because Chase Lucas and Jack Jones are two very, very good corners for Arizona State. Uh, two of the best defenders on that team um they're gonna they're gonna test the byu wide receivers i hope that everybody i mean presumably they're all more healthy this week than they were last week and they played but you know gunner played sparingly right like they rotated those guys in a ton so that nobody was really playing that many reps you still saw keanu hill you still saw chris jackson so it's clear that they're not 100 um they're going to have to be because Chase Lucas. This is not a game that Chase Lucas and Jack Jones are not guys that I want Keanu Hill to be lined up against. Right. I, I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think it's got to be BYU's best. So you hope that they're healthy. But I'm with you, man. I, the atmosphere of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, that's such an impact. That is such an impact. And Arizona State has not played a true road game with fans since 2019. It has been a very, very long time. And I wrote about this last week in that series that we did uh, with Steve Bartle over at Ute Zone. And that was one of the questions that I had for for Utah fans was, hey, how is your team going to respond to a sellout crowd that they haven't seen? They haven't heard. They haven't played in front of in a long time. And they all dismissed it like it was nothing. But let me tell you, It is so different, and I think it's even more different than people remember. So not even just in 2019, like we're going back almost two full years. So I got their 2019 schedule pulled up. So I'll start at the bottom, right? They had played their bowl game against Florida State. Neutral game, not a road game. Season, they played Arizona at home and beat them. They played Oregon at home, and that's when they kind of shocked and knocked off number six Oregon or whatever they were. They played on the road at Oregon State. That doesn't really count as a road game to me. Nobody <laughs> goes to Oregon State games. They played home against USC. They played at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. That's not really a tough place to play either. October nineteenth, twenty nineteen, they played at Utah. That was the last time that they played in a tough environment. And that was and if you look at okay, I'll go down the the scores of those games. 20 to 14 in the bowl game, 24-14 against Arizona, 31-28 against Oregon, 30 they lost 34 to 35 against Oregon State. They lost 26 to 31 against USC. They lost 32 to 42 against UCLA. The last tough road game they played in, they lost 21 to 3 against Utah. And the next and they that UCLA game just to verify what you're saying was less than 40,000 people were at that yeah. game. the announced attendance was 39,000. Right. And then they, you know, played, at, you know, they scored 38 against yeah. Wazoo third 24 against Cal 31 against Colorado. They went on the road to East Lansing, also a tough place to play only scored 10 points. And then, you know, then they played Sac state and Kent state. And those are basically two FCS teams. Right. So they, don't it's they they have not been in a pressure cooker environment very much in this team in a long, long time. And it could be a place where it's, if there if Jaden Daniels makes one mistake, it could be like where he gets rattled and he hasn't played in an environment where the crowd will be against him and he has to overcome it. And that is something that could very easily be a huge, huge factor here. The only time that michigan state game is the only game that that arizona state Jaden daniels will have seen more fans than will be at lavelle edwards stadium yep. the only time and like this is a chance that again like byu fans played a huge role even kyle Whittingham, he, after you know days after the game was over talked about how loud it was at lavelle edwards stadium This is a chance for BYU fans to really, really flex their loud, passionate muscles and and prove that they are a 12th man on the field. Yep. And so what what did what did Kalani say? There's two games. There's Arizona State versus BYU, and there's Arizona State versus BYU fans. Yes. Like that's how they have to look at it. And in that game against Utah, Daniels was four for 18 one interception, three sacks, passed for 25 yards. And then he also carried the ball 16 times for 35 yards. Oh, but then took out the sack. So he netted eight yards on 16 carries. And and that was when he had an NFL running back and Eno Benjamin by his side. Yep. And guys like Brandon Ayuk to throw the ball to. So it's, he can get rattled just because, and it's not anything, it's just he, and it's not saying he can't perform in that environment. It's just, he has been very, very limited in the tough places to play yeah. category. Yeah. And, you know, it's, he wasn't getting that kind of crowded in, in his high school. He's never, you know, he has rarely been in those places where you can get in his head and get him rattled. And, and you know, he may show up, Right. Like it's, this isn't, you know, say that it's impossible, right? Like we don't know he could show up and try, he could throw for 500 yards and look like a Heisman winner on Saturday and Mm -hmm. he could, you know, it may have just been, but he hasn't, that is something that can very much be a factor if the fans show up and make it a factor. I agree. I agree. Um, Overall, what do you think? Do you think BYU wins? I think BYU will win. And I'm going to say the score will be, 27 to 24 i don't i don't think it's going to be that close to me this is the game that the offense connects on some of the things that they haven't connected on i love the arizona state defense it, it, it's it's the more athletic version of what Eliza tuyaki wants to run and, and so i i schematically i think i, I love it uh i think jaron hall can get loose I think Tyler Algier has a big game. I I love the matchup of BYU. Will we see Hinkley Rapati. I just I want to see his legs, right? Like I just want to <laughs> say, uh, do they look as big in TV as they did in those like promo pictures I, where I was I like, think it, at some point they have to. Uh, Algier and Lopini are, are taking a beating. You've got to get a third guy in to just take five carries. You know, take five hits away from Algier. Like that, that's got to happen at some point. I don't know if it happens this week. I am very confident you see him against USF. Yeah, um, I think that this is the this is the game that Puka pulls down that deep ball. This is the game that Tyler Algier breaks that last tackle. This is the game that Jaron Hall doesn't step out of bounds on his way to the end zone. This is the game that all of those things get put together. And in my again, I'm a big Jaden Daniels fan. I'm a bigger Lavelle Edwards stadium fan. That's a really tough place to play when it's rocking. Like I think it will be on Saturday. I, I like BYU like 34 to 20. I can get behind that. I I could, I'm willing, I am willing to get my hopes up and get behind that. I I think that's what happens. Um, And here's something to remember in honor of arizona state herm edwards if you have not seen his introductory press conference at uh, arizona state he asks a reporter you know where where he's from and he's off oh, i'm so and so from devil's digest and herm's Well, oh, devil digest huh oh you gotta watch out for them devils i'm catholic watch out for them devils like totally oblivious to the fact that the mascot of the team that he is coaching is the sun devils It was very, very strange to me. I've totally forgot about that. But going back to what we are saying about PJ Fleck, that kind of reminds me of his spiel that he did about Minnesota. So I don't know what it is, but Minnesota has some chant. It's like ski you ma or whatever Yeah, that they do. And he was trying to be like, Minnesota is my dream job. I've always thought it'd be a great place to be. And, you know, coach here in the big 10 for the maroon and gold, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't remember how he said it, but he like butchered it. And it was another... (laughs) You're so excited to be here, but you didn't even take the time to look that up, huh? Yeah, like there was there were some similarities there, but in in, in light of that introductory press conference when, um, Herb started talking about the devils and how we need to watch out to the for the devils, I once had a seminary teacher who every day, as we were walking out of class and the lesson itself, like if we wanted to get into you know that side of things, was a really good one, but he told us all, I. Or Satan hates you. He hates you. Like, he doesn't want you to be happy, he hates you. That was the idea. But he would just say, Satan hates you. BYU was playing the Satans. They are playing the Sun Satans. And if you think that's crazy, ask their head coach, who is in his pressers, warning people about the devils and telling people that he is Catholic. You gotta watch out for them devils. So remember... That as much as Utah fans hated you last week, Satan hates you too. And these Arizona State fans, they have absolutely zero respect for BYU. None. This should BYU fans should be more pissed off this week. I hope it's louder this week, because Arizona State is somehow a road favorite. They are ranked higher than BYU. And if you just scroll through, pick a fan board, pick a message board, pick whatever you want to see. Arizona State fans, uh, we've you've seen it on the twenty four seven board. They are openly mocking the fact that Jared Hall is not very good. They are. They think that this is a a runaway win for them. I saw one comment. That I said- hope. I hope that the T. I hope we know like. I hope their team feels the same way, so when we show up and punch them in the mouth, it's a big wake-up call for them. I saw one thing that said, as long as we, Arizona State, are playing at 80% effort, we'll win by two scores. Like, this fan base has less respect for BYU than Utah does. And people should be pissed off about that. LES should be absolutely crazy and it's a whiteout this is the best jersey combination that byu has it's the royal whiteout right like it's the yeah yep. it's the ice that we wore against navy whiteout yeah the utah state ice yes and i am i, I haven't looked through those messages. but i'm gonna go through them now and that's infuriating well like there's the, one the, whole the, thread percent comment i almost want to you know, can we almost want to uh, like take screenshots and well, send like send it to Mason Wake? Like he'll, he'll get pissed off about it. Yes. And be like, dude, print this off. Like here, i there. I, I ordered this, go pick it up from the print shop in the Wilk because I ordered this and you can go hang it up in the locker room. There is a thread that it is a, I think an Arizona state fan that gets on and says, Hey, Jaron Hall is going to be the most athletic quarterback that Arizona state has faced under, herm edwards and that's a big statement they played justin herbert who not only has he got a cannon for an arm he ran a four six at the combine like justin herbert's a pretty crazy athlete i mean he's a good athlete but he ain't cooking the way jaron hall was cooking down that sideline no no but i mean and like tyler huntley could move a little bit but he didn't like he the dual the threat of jaron's feet they have not played anybody like that and so, I mean, regardless of whether it's an accurate statement or not, it was very much received as a stupid statement. And I, this guy who seemed like a well-intentioned Arizona State fan that's just like, hey, this kid's good, is being lambasted and just openly mocked. And they have a thread. It has been the number one thread on their message board for the last few days. It's just mocking Jaron Hall the whole time. Like this is a game. The BYU fans should be pissed. BYU should be pissed. They should be fired up. This is not Arizona. This is not Arizona. Like, there's no respect. Arizona State has not played BYU in 20 years, 13 years, however many years, 23 years. Like it's been a long time. Like there's nothing there. This isn't Arizona that BYU plays them every two or three years and they know who you are. Arizona State has no respect. If you just read without the colors, without the names, you just read the comments, you would think that Arizona State fans talking about BYU are Clemson fans talking about BYU. Like, that's how little respect, that's how easy they think this game is going to be. Now, I am revising, knowing this, and I'm going to go find these, and we will share these with certain people. We will blow them way out of proportion, for sure. And we will find the very worst ones, and get those in the locker room. And it's the new hashtag this week is going to be hashtag FTSD. And then we will, I, I'm on board with your 38 to 21 or 38 yeah, to 20, I, whatever. I, I think this is the game it gets put together because as much, I mean, I don't know. There could be an emotional letdown. I wrote about that today. I I honestly, I I don't think so. I think there is more likelihood of an emotional letdown against USF. USF could be a, it could be a trap game. It could be, uh, it could be. Especially, I mean, they play Utah State the week after that. It could be Arizona State. People just need to be fired up. Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We, we've got a real chance as fans to make a difference in this game, and and, and more than that, every game right at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this year to establish Lavelle Edwards Stadium as what it once was is a really damn hard place to play. And the toughest place to play in the Big 12. Yeah. We've we've lost that edge. There for a while, blame independence, blame Bronco, blame whatever you want to blame. Doesn't matter. The way you lost that edge. They started losing at home, but now it's the time. We gotta we gotta protect Lavelle's house and get it done. Jeff, this has been a great episode and I I'm excited about the game on Saturday and I think it will be a good test, right? Cause we had the week one kinks, new quarterback, whatever, got to work it out the week Two tough rivalry game. Now, like you said, this is kind of the week three, like, show us what you really got. Is it going to click or were you beat a batter's oh, gold and was it fool's gold because you were hyped against a rival and we, we need a commitment. We need a commitment, Garrett. If BYU wins by double digits. The Arizona state fireside will happen immediately after the game. Yes. That's like we, midnight. That's going to suck. Yep. We but will if do it's a double digit win. That's what happens. If it's a double digit win, we will do the post game fireside after the win, because I think everybody will be hyped. Cause, and I, I looked through this week. So I looked through SP plus looked at it and it's, you know, if, if we win on Saturday, the floor for the season becomes 10 and three. Because you're looking at a most likely, you know, 10 nine and three is the most likely record in the regular season. And we're probably going to win the bowl game because we're scheduled to go to the Independence Bowl in uh, Shreveport or whatever it is. And so, you know, and you're looking at, you got three wins down. You can can say okay, we should beat USF, should beat Utah State, should be Idaho State, should beat Georgia Southern. That puts you at seven. Now the other five games of Wazoo, who has looked horrible, Baylor, who has not looked that great, USC, who is a dumpster fire off the field, who knows what we're going to get that last week of the season, Boise State, who's been up and down. There, Boise State's going to be Boise, and. Virginia could be uh, the best for, game left and on the Virginia schedule. could be the best game left on the schedule. So to get to 10 wins, you take care of it. If you beat Arizona state, you take care of business. When two out of those five and when your bowl game, you're sitting at double digit back-to-back top 25 finishes. So this is, this is a big game. And if, if they win by more than a, if they win by more than 10, we will do the post game fireside at 12 AM in the morning, whatever it is hey You just got a shout out for Max Hall today, for what it's worth. Oh, uh, thank you. Oh, we, oh, also, if you are listening to this, um, we do have hopefully our schedules end up lining up. But you, I did send you the invite, I'm not sure if you saw mm-hmm. that. Um, yep. we will be doing a uh subscriber only bonus episode, uh, talking to Max Hall yesterday, uh, tomorrow on the Thursday morning. Um, so for our VIP listeners. Uh you should I gotta figure out how we're gonna send that out. We may have to find a new podcast service that could handle pr- private feeds, or I'll probably just upload the Zoom call on YouTube and then send out a private link or something like that. Um but we I'm excited this about is that. a this is a great state. I'm reading through the statement that Max Hall just released. Um this is phenomenal stuff. He is I later on towards the end, he says, I was hoping you could help me understand your justification for this as this money benefits you and goes directly into the organization you promote. I propose you you do something a little more challenging. I challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and match the funds you're donating to the Make-A-Wish Foundation and donate that same amount to the Agents of Recovery podcast through the 501c3 Addict 2 Athlete. The podcast helps support men like you and I. Weekly, I share the microphone with recovering addict and retired undercover police officer Brock Bevel who and recovering addict and therapist Blue Robinson. If you genuinely want to make a difference, or if you genuinely want to make things right and your actions are authentic, put your money and time behind them. Your contribution will help us reach thousands of people who have also found themselves caught in the grip of addiction. You may be unaware that we lose 255 people to drug and addiction and overdose every day. So that shirt demonstrates just how disconnected the population truly is about an epidemic killing 93,331 people alone last year. So he is calling on, hey, donate to a cause that isn't your job yeah i am going to agree with him on that and then also uh we can we'll have to check with max but i you know utah there was the picture of him with the uh the utah fan that was wearing a max hall hates me shirt i think we should have give him hell brigham max hall loves me shirts and anything that we sell with those will go be donated to agents of recovery we'll have to run by that him run that by him and see how he feels about that uh but i think it would be a great punny thing you know a light-hearted thing and yeah if you're doing this go go reach out find a way if you can pitch some money to agents of recovery because it is a big deal and max is someone that should be looked up to as someone who didn't quit when he was down and most people what happened to him would have ended his life and now he is you know it's we talked about it, like he did a fireside a few months ago right and we talked about it, like He's back good. He's made things right with his family, with his kids. He's helping other people recover. He's made things right with the church. If he's going around doing firesides and it, he is everything of the example that you should be of owning your mistakes and moving on and becoming a better person. And he will be the first person to tell you that what he did was wrong. Right. And so good on max and, uh, am you know, I'm excited to get this, uh, get this bonus episode up tomorrow as that will actually be our first VIP podcast episode. So yeah, that'll be great. Well, Jeff, it has been a great episode. I will talk to you again tomorrow and until then give them hell. Give them hell.